Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. It is Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. And one of the big stories on heraldlive.co.za this past week, the partial collapse of Newspaper House in Central, the former home of the Herald. Time and the elements apparently have taken their toll on the historic newspaper house in Central, leading to a section of the top floor collapsing. Some really, really disturbing photographs published as well. It's raised concerns among historians at Nelson Mandela Bay who have their hearts set on preserving the city's rich history. One of those is Graham Taylor, and he is from the Historical Society of Port Elizabeth. Graham, as I said, some disturbing photographs, and it looked quite uh, derelict. And what did you make of it? Darren, it's a really, really sad situation, and I was down there on Sunday, and uh, it's really tragic to see, and it's not only the decay of newspaper house, but it's also the decay of the area more generally, and fundamentally, there's only one simple uh, comment I can make. I mean, the the state has failed in respect of its obligations to heritage, and in so doing, it's doing a disservice to the city. It's dropping the ball. The fact of the matter is that by international terms, this building isn't old at all. You know, it's maybe 120 years old. But if you go to the great cities of this world, the Paris and uh, New York and London and so forth, you find buildings which are 10 times older, but which, which are very, very well conserved. Um, the fact of the matter is that heritage conservation in this city is simply not being taken seriously. And the impediments to, that need to be removed to enable actual uh, private sector investment in heritage are simply not there. We believe as a society that heritage uh, represents the single biggest growth opportunity for the central uh, area of the city, if not the broader city as a whole. We hold a significant place in the, in the, in the international development of maritime trade, and it's an opportunity we have to take advantage of, and we're not. Graham, you've mentioned the authorities are abrogating their responsibility. Are we talking municipal? Are we talking provincial? Or is it, is it national? Which particular laws or bylaws are not being applied or adhered to? Well, uh, there's a whole range. And I mean, we can start with the municipal bylaw of, of 2011, which requires the uh, competent authority, in this case the municipality, to actually have a heritage inventory. And this has been lying in some dark corner for the better part of 10 years. And this needs to be revived, resuscitated and and brought into place. Um, At a provincial government level, um, uh, there's a provincial heritage resource uh, authority. And uh, there's a requirement really for a collective response, a cooperative governance response to ensure that heritage resources are protected. And it's not only the private sector, let me be very clear on that, Darren, uh, is that, you know, the normal culprits in terms of the private sector have always been hammered. And uh, in some cases, rightfully so. And in some cases, they've uh, tried to make a concerted effort, um, but simple institutional obstacles uh, prevent them from doing the necessary. 
Um, the institutional obstacles, I mean, for instance, if we look at the Harbour Board building, which is uh, built also around the same period, was extensively renovated in the 1980s, but is in an utter state of decay, and that belongs to Transnet. Um, you know, if we look at the heritage in the city centre, undoubtedly, um, the poster boy of evil is really Transnet, and it's a state entity, and it's got its obligations in terms of heritage and in terms of the Heritage Act. There are specific regulations directed directly at state entities, and they are simply not coming um, to the party in terms of, of bringing value to the city. On the contrary, the city centre is overrun with manganese trucks. That very science and building is covered with manganese dust. And uh, the story goes on. And there are many other buildings within that city centre which are simply being neglected by large institutional role players. Now, we are not only talking about Newspaper House. Across the road is the old post office building. And many other historical sites and historical buildings in Central have had windows and doorways bricked over. They become a bit of an eyesore rather than being an asset. Well, absolutely. The post office building is, is an absolute tragedy. It's something just waiting for the private sector to get involved. Um, that building was sold by the post office authorities to the private sector, I believe, in, in the 1980s or 90s. It went for a poultry sum um, and has been standing empty ever since. If you go down into Barkin Street on any morning, you find hundreds of students queuing to get onto a minibus to go through to the university for tuition. These students, we've had a massive increase on students within the central area over the last couple of years. Uh, some figures are putting it at 15,000 students but you are putting them in accommodation with art facilities. Uh, you know, in, uh, when the weather uh, is, is difficult, these students are standing out uh, in the street waiting for, 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 for transport. But the fact of the matter remains that, that a building right there is standing derelict and empty. And it's not only that. If you look at the intercap bus services, they also pick up and discharge um, uh, cross-city uh, travellers at that point. What sort of impression does this create? And that's an absolutely magnificent building. And unfortunately, what we are starting to see with developers is really a tendency towards demolition through neglect, which is a trend which must be reversed. And we as a society are going to take a very hard stand in terms of bringing all these institutional role players to account and bringing these institutional role players to action pay for not looking after heritage. And we believe we found the legal mechanisms to do so. Well, that certainly is reassuring. Now, you've mentioned Transnet. Amongst the private sector, Mr. Ken Denton is well known as a large property owner or, a, or an owner of many properties, historical buildings in the central area. He is the owner of Newspaper House and also of the post office. We did reach out to him for comment. And he declined to come on the podcast. He did give us a comment, though, which said that heritage buildings in Port Elizabeth would benefit from a collective support to encourage the use and appreciation of the city's heritage. 
If demand for these spaces is forthcoming, then the future is encouraging. Your response? Well, I, d- I think it's very important that Mr. Denton engages in dialogue. We, we as a historical society, we have certain um, views and proposals uh, in which we'd, we'd like to make. And, uh, you know, we weren't very successful in getting an engagement with him. I think the answer is to get that uh, collective approach and an adversarial approach where we must um, drag the private sector through threats of implementing legislation, which in my humble opinion is in many cases an impediment to development rather than an enabler, um, is not necessarily the right way to go. We've got to make the legislation work and we've got to make it work for developers and all, all, all property owners in the central area. Um, I, can, I can remember way back in, in the 80s, if you were a young uh, university student wanting to make money or enter into the private sector, you would buy an individual property as a student. You'd renovate it, you'd, you'd move it on. That sort of market does not exist in central at the moment. What we have is a market of demolition, and that's simply unacceptable, and that must change, and we must find the legislative and policy frameworks to actually do so. Is the Historical Society of Port Elizabeth optimistic about this being resolved and turning it around? Absolutely. I, I, I think there's a lot of despair around, and and we believe that you know, in the biggest schemes of things, this has been going on for far too long. Um, we've had, uh, you know, Terry Earps in the past, uh, the late Terry Earps, uh, putting an extensive amount of work in, and it became a largely conflictual situation. I think the solution to it, and if the international experience is anything to go by, is to find opportunities uh, to collaborate and form partnerships for growth. We've seen some remarkable work taking place within the Barkins Valley in the um, Remos area of Arc 1 and Boat 2. And that is the case of the private sector planning in collaborating with, with um, the necessary institutional role players and making things happen. We as a historical society believe that with the right vision and focus and drive, we can turn things around very, very quickly and very effectively and in the best interests of all parties concerned. Um, I, for the life of me, cannot understand how um, someone such as Mr. Denton has such a large property portfolio and can still actually afford to pay the rates. But if we've got anything to do with it as a society, we will be making sure that delinquent property owners will pay the price if they are not meeting their heritage obligations and we will invoke the instruments to ensure that that takes place. Uh, when is a short period of time, Darren? Within a period of a year, the necessary policy and institutional frameworks can be reoriented to actually generate growth in central and, and drawing value from our maritime heritage to fundamentally change the way in which the city is run. If you look at the bigger thing, scheme of things, over a 20-year period, a city such as Porto in Portugal was completely um, rejuvenated 
um, a city such as Cape Town, we, we will recall 30 years ago the atrocious scenes in, in Loop Street um, with respect to vagrants and mugging. If those cities can do it right and get it right in, in, in that sort of time frame, why have we not been able to do that? We think the answers are there and it can be done through collaboration and partnerships. The chairperson of the Historical Society of Port Elizabeth, Graham Taylor, appreciate your comments. Thanks for joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines today, Graham. It's a pleasure, Darren, and thank you for having us. Continuing our chat now about the toll that time and the elements are taking on historic buildings in the central area of Quebecer. The chairman of the Mandela Bay Heritage Trust, Lynn Haller, joins us now. Lynn, we've had the story on Herald Live this past week. We've seen the photographs of Newspaper House. Across the road from Newspaper House, uh, also falling into a state of neglect, we've got the old post office building. There are many others in Central that have been bricked over, and we're wondering about where this is going to end. Your thoughts and comments on behalf of the Mandela Bay Heritage Trust. Hello, Darren. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me to to speak on your podcast about this huge problem that we have in our city. Uh, Very sad indeed with what is happening. Uh, It's been an ongoing problem and a struggle uh, with our Heritage Trust. I just would like to explain who we are, if I may. Sure. Okay, Uh, we are made up of heritage practitioners Uh, historians, architects, uh, tourism, I represent tourism, um, and uh, historians and just residents who are so interested in in our our heritage of our city for our future generations. And um, and the fact that that's what the tourists come here to look at, you know, they they know about the architecture in our city, the, the variety of it, and I, as a tour guide, uh, know for a fact that they just love uh, the architecture in our city when we, when we have taken them on tour. Um, it's getting to the stage now where we just feel uh, embarrassed, really, take people on a city tour. And I know with the cruise ships, they bypass now our beautiful architecture in the city, just do the Duncan Reserve and then go along the beachfront because of the state of our buildings. We as the trust, our, our mandate is to be the watchdog, to try and preserve built heritage. That is our, our mandate, is that we try to preserve built heritage of our city. And um, I deal a lot with the applications. We try to encourage people um, to go the legal route, um, but a lot of it is in ignorance as well. And we have tried to um, educate the state agents that when they're selling buildings. Um, what I need to just uh, explain, prior to 1994, we had a different grading system. We had grade one, grade two, grade three buildings. Grade one being uh, uh, national importance, grade two, provincial importance, grade three, um, uh, significant importance might be Perhaps Mr. Mandela visited this house or belonged to some uh, important person or type of architecture it is, et cetera, et cetera. Right. With, with the changes that came in with uh, democracy, um, they, they didn't uh, fulfill the, 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 uh, a new law. So what they did was they, they, they formed a blanket law 
which was to cover and just to safeguard buildings. They said any building over the age of 60 years is protected by the Heritage Act of 1999. And that means that every building that is older than 60 years has to have a historical comment done, you know, on the structure and uh, a comment letter to be attached to the application form for any uh, restoration, maintenance work, demolition, whatever. It has to have that letter before it goes to the Eastern Cape Provincial Heritage Authority, um, who then bring those applications down to Port Elizabeth once a month, Wednesday of the month. And there's a permit committee that goes through these applications and there at that meeting they decide yes or no. So what is happening there, there's a lot of buildings that are being maintained, altered, demolished. It's not coming via the, the these bodies, these heritage bodies. It could be the historical society, it could be heritage trust. Why are the laws not being and bylaws being applied? Where is the weakness? I don't know where the weakness is. You know, these these laws in place, but nobody implements them. So it's from the authority side, laws aren't being yes. applied? No, no, it is from the authority side. You know, we we have been called uh, policemen and, in, you know, being upset with us because we try to be policemen, but that is our mandate. We are a community-based trust of the people of Port Elizabeth. But you don't and have... we have a right, we have a right to, but... to say, we don't want you to do that to that building. But you don't have any teeth or authority to enforce these laws we, yourself. We don't have any. Yeah, no, we don't have any legal authority. But we have built up over the years. Look, the Heritage Trust has been um, in existence since two thousand and five. Darren, I don't know if you remember. In two thousand and nine, the Tour Guards Association got involved, and we had that Save Our City campaign. Mm, mm, I do. We, we we had that big thingy on the on the Duncan Reserve, and we walk about and so on. And then that was when. We then joined the Heritage Trust because we were running two bodies that were the same, doing the same thing. So I said, why don't we just make it? And uh, that was when, uh, with Jeremy Davis and um, um, Terry Herbst and uh, the late Dean Bidoff, all those guys, plus historians, that uh, uh, we joined the Heritage Trust. So the Save Our City campaign uh, story fell away. What about the responsibility of the owners, though? If we drive around Central, we see some marvellous historical buildings. They've been bricked over in some cases, as is the story with Newspaper House. Uh, the roof has caved in, partial demolition. Yeah, that is a big shocker. Look here, the owner of that building uh, did apply for a permit. It was a bit of a controversial. He, he applied for a permit to change uh, the building into student accommodation. Uh, it was said that nothing on the outside would be touched. It was all internal. There was a bit of a problem with the drywalling uh, coming, you know, being built right up against the windows. And we said, and the, the, the heritage practitioner said, well, how are you going to open the windows with that wall right there? Give us, uh, 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 you know, show us on your architectural drawings. Mm. How are you going to get past that? That means you can't open any windows. Or are you going to take the windows out? And they said, no, no, they're not going to change anything on the outside. It was only inside. And eventually it went, the, the letter went out on condition that that problem would be solved without changing 
the facade of the building. Are you optimistic? That was, that was in 2020. That was on the 20th of August. Can you believe this? On the 20th of August, 2020, that letter went out. Yeah, three years ago. Are you optimistic? Are you optimistic of the future of historical buildings in no, Quebec? not at all. Not at all. I, I actually I have taken over as chairman, um, and I just don't know which way to turn, to be quite honest with you. To be quite honest with you, I don't know which way to turn. Um, I, I don't feel that the um, government um, departments are willing to work with us. We're trying to meet with them. We try to negotiate with them. We try to find a way where we can work together. And I don't know, just they're not interested. What about engagements with the actual owners? Um, we have reached out to Mr. Ken Denton, who is the owner of Newspaper House and various other historical sites in uh, mm-hmm. central in Quebec. We shared his comment a little earlier. He was unavailable for the po- uh, podcast, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I'm just interested mm-hmm. from your side, direct engagements with owners of well, these buildings. You know, we've had lots of uh, um, engagements with Mr. Denton. He's very, very anti-heritage trust. He won't work with us at all. Uh, he, he refuses to. Our heritage practitioners have in the past offered free services to him when he does alterations to buildings to work with him and guide him in the correct um, architecture and, you know, for that particular type of uh, building that he's working on, he refuses. He wants nothing to do. He only works with overseas people because they're the only um, uh, qualified people and that's what we get. So he's not prepared to work with us. We've tried and tried and tried over the years. He's just not prepared. I know there is talk that from various owners that it gets held up and that is a lot of nonsense, Darren, because the applications, if they come to me, if somebody asks me for application forms and procedures, I send it off that same day. That application form comes to me, I send it off the same day to the comments committee. They have a look at the drawings and what what is required, what they want to do to the building, comes back to me, I do the comment letter, I send it off. It goes, from there on, they've got to attach it to the application form and they must get it to PRO in East London. It then goes to the permit committee and I can tell you now that there are no applications held over from month to month. Anybody who says that is talking absolute rubbish because I attend a lot of those uh, permit meetings and they complete the list. There's no applications that get carried over to the next meeting. If we made you king or queen of the domain, what measures would you put in place in order to improve the situation right now? I think the only way really, and I don't know how that would even work, uh, is to go the legal route. Has that not been tried over the course of the past few decades that we've had this inner city decay set in? Yeah, you know, well, ECPRA, Eastern Cape Heritage Resources Authority, they have a legal department that can be used. I don't know why they don't use it. I I have no idea. But, I mean, we're going to have, you know, I feel the only way, I mean, there's laws in place. If you don't look after your heritage building, it's in the Heritage Act of 1999. If you don't look after your heritage building, the law states that the metro can expropriate that building. 
It's an interesting discussion, and it's one that we certainly hope is resolved going forward. We have uh, amazing heritage that I think everyone would agree needs to be preserved. Yes. It's in our collective interest. We appreciate your time, though, joining us today. Uh, Chairman of the Mandela Bay Heritage Trust, Lynn Haller. Appreciate it, Lynn. Have a good day. Thank you very much, Darren. Hey, appreciate your interest. That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.